0: I'm Dr. Bates, and this is Musculoskeletal Minute. Welcome to Musculoskeletal Minute. I'm Dr. Bates, and today we are covering fairly breaking research, and this is non-pharmacologic and pharmacologic management of acute pain from non-low back musculoskeletal injuries in adults, coming from the Annals of Internal Medicine by Kasim et al. This is new. This is can change practices. So I wanted to get on this and cover this early. This is the first of a new type of format. This is going to be on my podcast and on my YouTube. So whichever way you're watching it, I hope you enjoy it. If you're listening to the audio on the podcast, I do have accompanying video for this that will be on YouTube in the form of a PowerPoint presentation going through this with some visuals, but you're not missing everything. And those of you on YouTube If you feel like you like listening to the audio better, just go ahead and jump on over to my podcast. Though, just know if you don't watch very much of it on YouTube, it does hurt my ratings. So, help me out. Give me a good positive review. Five stars in whatever podcast app you use. Like this, subscribe, uh, and spread it around. And hopefully uh, you like this. If you don't like the format of it, reach out to me let me know. Uh, The link will be included in the show notes of the podcast and will also be included in the description on YouTube so that you can read this article if you haven't already. So let's jump right in. So I want to recognize one of the big things about this. This is teamwork to develop these clinical practice guidelines between the American College of Physicians and the American Academy of Family Physicians, two largest organizations for primary care here in America. America have come out together for these recommendations, and I think they are useful. What's the target? Non-low back pain. Okay, well, most people have low back pain, but there are other joints and parts of the body that hurt shoulders, knees, hips, ankles, you know, the things from the head, shoulders, knees, and toes song. They also came out with a guideline for low back pain Unfortunately, it is behind a paywall. Uh, I'm working on getting back there, but again, I wanted to cover this one first. And this is for acute musculoskeletal injuries less than six weeks. And the target audience is all physicians. They come out and say this, all physicians, because all physicians have to deal with pain. Just like all of you are my audience, because everybody deals with pain. But let's face it, primary care sees a lot of pain and has a lot of things that they have to take care of on top of that pain. Really quick before we get started. The certainty of evidence. High certainty is obviously the best. That The effect is close to what is estimated to happen. Unfortunately, none of these articles have high certainty of evidence. The highest one there is moderate. Moderate. Most likely the true effect is similar to what the estimate is, but there is a possibility that it will be different. But hey, that's a whole heck of a lot better than low of where true effect may be completely different than the estimated effect. And then the grading recommendations, we have strong and conditional. Strong is that the benefits clearly outweigh risks. Conditional is that the benefits probably outweigh risks, but maybe not 100% sure. So with conditional, of course, patient preference, but you also gotta think about the circumstances and everything, whereas strong generally applies to most patients in most circumstances. So let's move into our strongest recommendation. That's recommendation number one. It is strong with moderate certainty evidence, and that is to treat patients with acute pain from non-low back musculoskeletal injuries with topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs with or without mental gel as first-line therapy to reduce or relieve symptoms including pain, improve physical function, and improve the patient's treatment satisfaction. So let's dive into that one, topical NSAIDs. They had improved all outcomes, all measurement outcomes at two hours, one day, and seven days. They had the highest satisfaction, showed the most pain relief, showed the most functional improvement and did not have statistically significant adverse effects. What's the topical and said well great news I'm actually re-recording this for this one piece of news right here and that is Voltaren gel has now been approved as over-the-counter supposedly costs about 11 bucks. Some of our patients can afford that that's fantastic that cuts out a lot of the hassle of pre-authorizations though I must admit Being a military doctor, it is nice to have that on formulary that I could write and not have to deal with any of the pre-auths, and I mean, this isn't the evidence, but I can tell you my patients love it. I don't know if they love it because it's a prescription and it beats, oh, just take some vitamin M, which as military doctors are famous for, Um, but not entirely sure. So that's actually something that we're gonna see if this being over-the-counter is actually going to decrease some of that Satisfaction, I will be interested to see but as of now I can tell you my patients are pumped to use it And how I describe this is a topical Motrin that goes right to the spot that hurts as opposed to the rest of the body I keep it nice and simple that way And speaking of vitamin M that military doctors are famous for giving out Motrin Well, recommendation 2A is conditional, moderate certainty, and it says treat patients with acute pain from non-low back, musculoskeletal injuries with oral NSAIDs to reduce or relieve symptoms, including pain and to improve physical function or with oral acetaminophen to reduce pain. Yep, that's right. Apparently we have been doing things right. Take some Motrin, change your socks. Um, But no, seriously, oral NSAIDs, they are cheap. And they work. The unfortunate part about it is there are higher rates of adverse effects. Predominantly gastrointestinal in nature. Abdominal stomach pain, constipation, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. However, most people are carrying around some Advil or ibuprofen in their purse. They know that it works. It's generally safe, well tolerated. Obviously don't want to overdose. And then acetaminophen, same thing. Easily accessible, cheap. Some studies show that it might not work quite as good for that acute inflammation, but it still works and it can be utilized. Recommendation 2B is conditional, low certainty, and that is to treat patients with acute pain from non low back musculoskeletal injuries with specific acupressure to reduce pain and improve physical function or with transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation or TENS or E-STEM, to reduce pain. What is specific acupressure? That is a fantastic question, and I will talk a little bit more about that in my critiques of the article, but it doesn't really cover it terribly well. But it does say in it, well, it's hard to measure this and determine the exact benefit of it because we have seen variation across certain reviews on how direct specific acupressure was done. So it's unfortunate. But patients are generally improved and still satisfied. Decreased pain, increased function at 1 and 7 days. So not the immediate recovery, but feeling better a couple days out. TENS, basically voltage gate theory, bombard the nerves with other signals, confuse it, they forget about the pain. That's it in a nutshell. Um, It also mentioned when it broke down into further detail of these recommendations, massage can also be beneficial and question about manipulation. Getting on to that later. The final recommendation is conditional and it is low certainty. However, it is that the ACP and AAFP suggest against clinicians treating patients with acute pain from non-low back musculoskeletal injuries with opioids, including tramadol. So, yes, Let's talk about this. I do like the fact that it does not forbid the use of opioids, but it does warn against their use. While they do have a purpose, it's definitely something that needs to be considered as to what is the risk and the benefits and what's the patient's values and what's going on, what are their conditions. There's a lot of risks to using these. It had the highest risk, actually, with neurologic and gastrointestinal side effects, adverse events. And of course, there is always the risk of addiction. This is a shocking statistic. 6% of the general population from use of opioids runs the risk of turning into an addiction. And of those that are high risk for addictive behavior, 27% of them run the risk of developing opioid addiction. So that's a lot of risk. Again, it's not saying that there's never a chance to use it, but it is highly encouraging avoiding the use of that. So real quick, let's break down into some of the more nitty gritty research parts of this now that you know what these recommendations are and how to use them. But I will talk about my own personal methods for utilizing these recommendations here in just a moment after I talk about the procedures of this article along with my critiques. But it was a meta-analysis of the efficacy and safety of these medications. So not only do they work, but are they safe? They dove in to the predictors of prolonged opioid use. Obviously we want to prevent people from getting addicted. So if there are certain risk factors that are going to be increasing opioid use over a prolonged period of time, we want to do our best to avoid that. And then also this was focused on pain less than four weeks. I earlier misspoke, I said six weeks sorry, with their procedure for review, this was all focused on pain of less than four weeks and low back pain was excluded. We know low back pain is a giant issue and that's covered in another article. They measured symptom relief, as I talked about, two hours, one day, and seven days. And they measured physical function, satisfaction, costs associated, and adverse events. All important things to think about. The best medication, if it's too expensive for anybody, is not going to do any good. Physical function is vital. It doesn't measure the pain relief as much as physical function. Yes, if you have a little bit of baseline pain, yes, it's painful, it gets in the way, but are you still able to do your job, take care of your kids, clean your house, whatever things you're wanting to do, uh, run a marathon, anything, whatever your goals are, whatever. You're needing to do if it is being treated, the pain is being treated to where you're functional. That is the most important part, as opposed to taking all pain away but still not having function just due to being doped up. So, I think that these were great things to measure. So, what are my critiques of this? Well, I already alluded to it the specific acupressure, it's so vague. And unfortunately, in the procedures or in the methods, they did not dive into what specific acupressure was. I don't know if specific acupressure is following acupuncture meridians and treating those points or if it's applying specific pain to the trigger points and tender points that patients have. That you find on physical exam. I don't know. So unfortunately, I can't share how to do that with you guys. And I can't take this and replicate it in my own treatment and practice. So I think that that is a big downside of this, considering it was a high recommendation, recommendation to be. And also other non-pharmacologic treatments were vaguely covered. Though the biggest part about them was really, hey, manipulation, massage, all of these have low adverse events, and I think they were talking about GI events as a side note. So they didn't really dive into the efficacy of those. Granted, those are all difficult things to study. There really is no good consensus on any of those aspects of it, but I do think that it was kind of a bummer that none of those were covered or vaguely covered, as I said. So what is my application well as i said topicals have long been covered so i utilize them as a go-to and i sell it exactly as i said a motrin that you put right on the spot that the body absorbs right to the level it needs and not doesn't go around the body that's my explanation i utilize that for acute and chronic conditions uh, especially in joints uh, sometimes the neck um, but yeah, not again in low back pain, but hopefully I'll get that article out there. And then I jump straight into what is known as the fascial distortion model. And they have a couple things within that, known as herniated trigger point, trigger bands, continuum distortions, three of the most common distortions, and I would consider all of those a form of specific acupressure because there is a lot of pressure on very specific areas. I have found fantastic results from that. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of research on it. I would know. I've tried to get a couple of them published. I have some in the works, but it's kind of a pain to get these published, especially since, uh, well, there's a whole lot of things and it's really hard to study specific manual modalities. Anyways, I roll into as-needed oral meds, that Tylenol and, well, Motrin. Sounding like a broken record here, but I roll into those for additional coverage, also ice and utilizing physical therapy. We have a physical therapist, so got to keep her busy. But really all of those, I think physical therapy is fantastic. Working on prevention, working on what's actually causing the problem in the first place. And of course, ice, good material. Well I hope you enjoyed this format. For more information, more breakdown on it, let me know what you think. I will be devoting further episodes, but I also want to talk more about the fascial distortion model, especially I have found such fantastic use from it. I will continue teaching osteopathic manipulation, and I'm working on making it useful, not only as a review for students going through on what they need to know for boards, but also for you, the practicing physician, especially the busy primary care physician out there that has to take care of high blood pressure and diabetes and oh, my leg hurts. And so how are you gonna do OMT in that time period? I hope to cover all of that and keep it as evidence-based as possible and beneficial for you. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Again, this has been Musculoskeletal Minute. Please go ahead and subscribe. And whatever podcast app you use, subscribe on YouTube, give me a like on YouTube, and of course, give me a good five-star rating on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And no, at Musculoskeletal Minute, we have your back. Thank you for joining us on Musculoskeletal Minute. We have your back. Please remember that this is for education and does not constitute medical advice. Please subscribe, leave us a positive review, and share with your friends.